so easy to point the finger at what you didn't get, what you didn't have. But it's so much easier when you just take accountability of, all right, this is what I have. Now let's make the most of it. And that's kind of been my mindset the past couple of years where it's like, all right, even in that job, I was like, all right, I have this job, but what can I do outside of this job to start shifting this framework? That whole mindset of like what's happening outside the nine to five. My six to 10 CJ, I was just downloading new software and I just kept doing that. What's up? My name is CJ Finley and this is the Thrive On Life podcast. I started a brand called Thrive On Life to help other mission-based people, brands, and businesses thrive. Each week we interview people on topics of business, health, relationships, mindset, and much more to help us thrive in all areas of life. If the messages in this podcast resonate with you, but you're still feeling a little bit stuck in actually implementing these ideas, I'd love to help you on a more personalized level or connect you with somebody that can. So please reach out. Also, if you've got a friend who you know could benefit from hearing this episode, please share the love with them. My goal is always to spread positive impact through the sharing of knowledge, and I would be honored if you could help me achieve this goal. Today's guest is Matt Choi. He's a content creator, entrepreneur, and fitness enthusiast. Matt is a former Division I football player at Monmouth University and started his entrepreneurial journey as a personal trainer helping people develop their health and wellness strategies. During the pandemic, Matt started to double down on creating content and building out his personal brand around his passion and interests. Now he operates a media company that has helped him showcase his fitness challenges and workouts by creating content at scale. He has built a community of followers over 500K across TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube, and he continues to push his body mentally, physically, and spiritually to be an example of what humans can accomplish if they shift their mindset and step out of their comfort zone. This conversation encompasses what it means to consistently overcome obstacles and how you can pivot your life to take on new challenges that will force you to grow. Please welcome Matt Choi to the show. What is up, Thrive Fam? CJ Finley here again with another episode of the Thrive on Life podcast. And man, I'm feeling the energy here today. We got Austin's literally ball of energy is what I would call you. I'm very excited to have this conversation, but before we get into it, how are you doing today, Matt Choi? Dude, I'm doing excellent, man. I feel like we've been podcasting for the past hour we've been here, but it's been uh, it's been super fun. I'm super, fo- I'm looking forward to this, man. Yeah, me too. Um, fortunately, you were willing to bend on your typical schedule and like get true. your running in a little bit started <laughs> later today, later started today. Um, so I appreciate you willing to make the drive out here. We got his brother Anthony here in the house as well, helping us out. So very grateful. This is a dream come true to have my setup here and have people like you in it. But I always like to start off with a little bit of a of a hook. And <laughs> I was doing some research on you and I learned something new this morning. What the heck is a bib mule? <laughs> Dude, I didn't know what a bib mule was until recently, actually. But um, a bib mule is someone that runs in place of another runner to potentially get a faster time or maybe just to complete a race. And I really, you know, CJ, being someone that's newer in this running community within the past couple of years, I didn't really know all the regulations and rules and all like the, the finite details of what happens in the racing community. Um, terminologies like the bib mule or bandits are quite common. Like a bandit would be someone that just, you know, if for the Austin Marathon, for example, if you didn't have a bib, but you were like, hey, I want to just stay on Congress and then just run the race. Technically, people bandit races by just hopping into the race at some point. The bib meal is more like, hey, I'm going to run as CJ Finley. I'm going to go try and qualify for the marathon or qualify for Boston or whatever it is. And obviously, if you're someone that can run faster for a friend, that's what the terminology is. And that's what happened to me in, in the Houston Marathon. Yeah, when I when I Googled your name and then I saw Bandit, I'm like, yo, Matt is what, <laughs> Bandit of what? Like, what is, what is he running away from? And you, they wrote this whole article on you. And that yep. that's what made me realize is like, damn, I have friends that have actually made it because they're having things written about them. And then I also saw some YouTube videos made about what you're doing. So I'd love to kind of dissect what was the feeling as soon as like mm. that was like figured out for you? Because you're a super positive guy. And uh, it seems like on the outside that you just enter every single day feeling like good and, and bringing that good energy and you've impacted a lot of people. And then when your day is kind of thrown off with like being called a bandit, yeah. it can be a little bit of a downer. But how did you kind of approach that day when you found out that you would now be calling it a bib, bib <laughs> You know, to your point, CJ, like I, I try to show my show up as my best self every day. And obviously life has curveballs, curve has ups and downs. And in that moment, I actually got a message from one of my buddies from Believe in the Run. His name is Thomas. And he's the first person that sent me the article. 
And I lie to you not, I, my brother was here in Austin at the time and I was in my studio at home and I was filming a YouTube video as I was reading this article, <laughs> CJ. So obviously in that current moment, my emotions were getting the best of me. I filmed the video and I, my buddy Chris edited the video and I looked at it, CJ, I'm like, hold on. I, I could just tell that I was being very just present in that moment. I was more sensitive yeah. and I wasn't really thinking of like how to really convey the message or convey how I felt about what happened. Right. Because at the end of the day, anytime an article gets written or anything like that happens, there's always three sides of the story, yours, mine, and then the truth. And in that moment, all people had heard was their story or the perception of what they were trying to collect. Right. And even for me, like th that day, I soaked that information in. I was like, like, I felt kind of like not shitty about myself, but I was just like, damn, this was a stupid but honest mistake. I think really where I started to feel a little bit down was like when brands, my brands I work with were like, Matt, like we need to be smart now, like hold off on posting on anything on social media because now there's so much backlash from the negativity of it, right? People that are the 1% runners are like, oh my God, this is what happens when running influencers get into the space and they're frauds, they're freaking all this stuff, right? And there was like a 24 hour period where I was just like, all right, like let's let this sink in feel this out, like understand that these emotions are real. As humans, I'm not a robot, right? People have this perception like, yeah, like Matt, how do you show up as your best of all these things? At the end of the day, every human has their ups and downs. It's just, how do you handle it? How do you deal with it? Some people deal with it by being rude or being rude to the person at Chipotle or whatever it is. For me, it's just, I can take that solitude and, and let that time just be deep thinking time. And I understood that my intent was not any of what was written in that article. And as a man, I just can live with that and be like, all right, well, this is their perception. I can still control my side of it and my voice of what happened. And there was like a 24-hour period. It's funny. That happened. And then I was going to Sacramento to go link up with Mark Bell. I get an email from Nike and Dick Sporting Goods, which is one of my bigger brand deals. And they were like, Matt, we like just hold off on posting right now until we talk with the Nike and, and, and the brands about like what to do from this point. And CJ, I lied to you not. Like I was on the flight and I told this to Jeremy yesterday. I was like, I closed my eyes for a second. I took my hat off and that was the last email I saw before I literally took off. I was on the runway at Austin airport and I, I closed my eyes and I said, look, if I lose out on every single brand deal I have, if I lose out on all of it, I would be content because I would rather die on my own sword yeah. of understanding who I am as a man than just rely on these brands because it's good monetary exchange. So the funny thing about all of that was that none of those brands ever reached out to me and was like, Matt, like what actually happened? Only the brands that I work with that are smaller companies like ProMix and Super Coffee, Devin and Jimmy called me and they're like, dude, are you good? Like just kind of giving me some good insight from their perspective of being in this space. And instantly I knew CJ, I'm like, damn, those are the, those are the people and the brands I want to work with. Not just because Nike's Nike and they're sexy and they're a big name. At, at the end of the day for me, I'm just another creator for them. So I understood that even though they're a big client for me, I was like, I'd rather lose that client than work with someone that's gonna just try to protect their image without really asking what the truth was. So to answer your question, man, there was definitely a 24 hour period where I'm like, fuck. It's that same thing when like, when we, like my old football coach would say, if we lose a game, guys, you have 24 hours to let that sink. But after that, like what's next? You have to move on, right? Like life continues to happen. And that's always been my framework when shit's been good and bad. Thank you for that response. And man, I could feel it like just, coming out of you like the the energy um what you were feeling and looking back on my life in certain in instances um having that feeling of you're riding this high and then something happens um and a lot of people i feel like can get in the mindset of okay there's always going to be something that's going to happen or this 180 of of energy feeling but for you having that mindset to be able to say you know what like I can control how I respond to this rather than allowing the world to dictate how I react, I think is something one, I believe sports teaches a lot of people that, um, but two, you mentioned some of your friends reaching out to you. That's the beauty of having a good, a solid network of people that are going to remind you that it's okay to make mistakes or it's okay to have certain things happen. It's really just, what are you doing in, in response to that? Um, so I appreciate you, you, you sharing that. Um, one of the things that I thought about, like when I, when I read it and it's so frustrating for me because I'm in the media world and I'm in the content creation world. One of the reasons that I'm in it is because immediately people start thinking, 
negative rather than like, how many people have you gotten to sign up for a marathon? I actually throw don't a number know. out there. I really, just I, like, just guess. Even if it's 10, how much does a marathon cost? Like 200 bucks. Where does, bucks. where does the money go? Right to the, uh, right to the race. Okay. So how much money and how much influence have you had because of what you're doing? Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's hard to even put a number. I don't, I don't know. It's a lot. It could be a lot. It could be a lot. Right. And even if it's, even if it's 10 people, right. If it's $200 a race, do the math. That's yeah. two grand. Right. So the people that are looking at the negative side of things are doing it because that gets attention. Yeah. And they're trying to get money and sponsors and things for themselves. So I just wanted to remind you of that because the good always outweighs the bad, but nobody talks about the good. Of course. It's so. like what the it's it's like the Joker's thing, right? It's like negativity's louder. Period. And in those moments, you kind of see that to be true. It's because obviously in all the good things, CJ, like no one's going to look at that. It's just like, oh, that's just the, that's the standard at this point for me, right? It's like, but when as soon as there's a blip in the radar, it's, you put oil, you put freaking gas on that fire and it's just, it becomes what it is. And there's a startup term, move fast and break things. Yes. So anybody that I talk to that's like in the space that like you remind me of myself because I, I operate in the same way, like. I'm just going to go yeah. and then kind of like if something happens, like I'll, I'll navigate that because I believe in myself. My intent is great and I will respond in a way that's appropriate. And that's what brands really should be looking for. They should be looking for how does Matt respond to this? Not, oh, my God, he made this little mistake, because also on the grand scheme of things, like what did you really do? That was that big of a like what is going on in the world, right? Like think about the, the, the things that are going on in the world. And this dude signs up for a race. <laughs> doesn't hurt anybody and just has a different number attached to them. Yes, I I will I understand like if something had happened to yeah. you and like think like yeah, okay, don't do it again. Whatever. Uh but there's much bigger problems uh in our world and I just again, I appreciate your honest response and and being willing to before we hopped on just to be uh super transparent with our audience. I made sure that this was a <laughs> kosher thing, kosher way to start because I um it. I don't want to drive any more negativity. I want to bring in the positivity and anybody that's listening is just like, man, like if you watch your content, you can just see that the impact that you're having on the people around you and we need more of that in the world, not less of it. Um so I I very much appreciate how not only you do that every day, but when something happens like it did, you take a, a, a step back and respond in a way. And that's where I want to dig into how are you taught that? Because we need more people that literally go about it in the way that you just said. Like something happens, I'm going to take 24 or 48 hours to myself and then I'm going to respond in, a, in an appropriate manner. Was that something that your parents taught you or sports or you picked up from a book? Yeah. Where was that ingrained in you? I think... A lot of it, a lot of my story and even my brother's story has been, you know, we got raised by a single mom and I saw my mom hustle and I saw her, you know, work multiple jobs to put food on the table. And it's not that me and my brother ever had to like worry about like when the next meal is coming, but we also just didn't get all the things that kids got. Right. So football and sports was kind of our outlet to just be kids and to feel like, oh, this is an equal playing ground. I had the opportunity to then play in high school and then earn a college scholarship. So a lot of my time playing football has taught me and has formed me into who I am today. At the same time, it was a big part of my identity where I didn't know who I was outside of it either. So I think um, it's been a mixture. The, my experiences playing football has definitely helped and it's it's created that like work ethic. It's created the framework that I have around the world. At the same time, CJ, like the past couple of years, I've made it an intentional decision to, to make sure I continue to grow. And that's been a choice that I've just wanted to make for myself where it's like, all right, I, if I want to be an entrepreneur, I want to do things different. I want to live a different life. Then you have to make actions that are different as well. And it started with education of, of, of books. I wasn't the best student in college. And now I found myself reading more books than I've ever read through the first 24 years of my life. And a lot of it now, it's like the people I look up to, the way that they respond to failures and successes, that's kind of where I've been able to pick and choose and like make my own, like make my own um, recipe out of it, right? It's like ingredients from Gary, ingredients from Tom Bilyeu, from David Goggins, from Jay Shetty, from all the, I can list a hundred people that I really look up to from how they see the world and how they deal with success and failure. And it's even why I love wearing the Lokai bands, right? Staying even keeled, not letting the highs get you too high and the lows get you too low. And I think where people get messed up in this space is that when you start to get a rise, when you, people start to love you and give you admiration, people let that get to their head. 
And at the same time, the opposite, when negative things happen, people are like, oh my God, should I just stop posting? Should I stop my career as a content creator or whatever? And for me, it's like, I don't really hear either of it. I'm just so in my own head of like, I know what I want to do in this world. I know my intent is good and no one can question that. My internal self awareness of myself is so high that the opinions of other people, it can't change it. And a lot of that came from guys like Gary and, and the entrepreneurs I've kind of really, really deep dived the past couple of years. If you're like me, you hate being put in a box labeled and limited by other beliefs of you. Instead, you tend to lean into your truth and have many sides to who you are. You may even say that you have an alter ego. If this is you, I'd love for you to join me in the pursuit to encourage other people to live their own truths. What's a great way to do this? Rep a hat from alter ego running. Whether you're a corporate soldier, side hustler, serial entrepreneur, or stay-at-home mom or dad, we know you have another side to you, and we want you to be proud of it. Use code THRIVEONLIFE and head to alteregorunning.com and start bringing your truest self to life. I'll shout out my buddy, Zach Pograb, Behavior Hack. I don't know if you've seen any of his stuff, but he talks about obsession. And he also talks about, he was on the podcast earlier last year, and having your own like board of advisors. And they don't have to be in a room with you. You know, They don't even have to know that they're your board of advisors. It's literally who are the people that are laying into you, like the Gary V's, Jay Shetty, Tom Bilyeu's, like you said, the beauty of today's world is there is podcasts, there is audible books, like at the at your fingertips to allow you to do that. And I think so many people fail to realize that you can live in a different world than you're actually in right now. Like 50 years ago, mm -hmm. I give, I've learned to give my parents grace and that generation grace over the past couple of years as I've started to reflect and realize like the things that we have that they didn't have and what how I made it might have responded in their time because there was no outlet mm. to these different things. When you were a child, was there a specific time when you realized, man, we don't got it like that? Because one of the things I've seen on your content is you're like showcasing all these different shoes. And it sparked uh, a thought in my mind mm. was when I used to buy cleats all the time. And one of the ways that I realized I don't got it like that um, is when I wanted like $100 cleats or $200 cleats and my parents were like, we're not buying you fucking $100. Mm -hmm. like, we can go to Dick's and get you these $30 cleats. 100%. So then I like, all my friends are getting all these like really nice cleats and I started like realizing, oh shit, like things aren't just handed. And I had a good relationship with my parents. So it was like, all right, I'm gonna start saving up. I'm gonna start making my own money and start doing these things. But that was like probably around like seventh, eighth grade. Uh, but for you, was there anything specific mm. that kind of made you realize, damn, this life is going to take a little bit more extra juice from me to get yeah. what I want. Um, and I love my mom for what she's doing, but like, I want more than that. 100% bro. And the fact that you're able to connect the dots between that, it just made me even like reflect. I remember living in Las Vegas and me and my brother were at a Reebok store. And at the time Reebok had Allen Iverson as one of their athletes. And I remember me coming up to my mom, it was right before school started and it's like, we're going back to school shopping. But for, for us, back to school shopping was like, yeah, maybe you get a pair of shoes and like one pair of like shorts and a t-shirt, you know, very minimal stuff. She created that feeling for us that yeah, we're gonna go shopping guys. But it wasn't like we had eight pairs of shoes and then all these things, right? CJ, it was exactly that. I remember bringing two shoes to my mom saying, mom, this one costs 55 bucks and this, this one costs 90 bucks. And my mom was like, let's go with the one that's a little bit cheaper. And instantly I didn't go into a mindset of like, oh my God, I don't get to get the one that's yeah. more expensive. But it was just like the fact that I even had the chance to get something. And I think for me and my brother, it's always created that chip on our shoulder of like, we didn't always have the best stuff. Even when I first played soccer, I remember getting a $30 pair of cleats that was like, it had yellow in it instead of the red I wanted. And I'm like, mom, I'm like, I kind of want the red one. Like yellow <laughs> kind of seems a little bit more like feminine girlish, but then I'm like, ah, but it was a cheaper option. And CJ, in those moments when you're just a kid, you don't really realize what other people are getting, but then you start connecting the dots with teammates that have, oh my God, they have the Ronaldo cleats or whatever it is. But at the end of the day, what I learned through all of that was that the equipment, the accessories, the shoes, it was all irrelevant. It did not make someone a better player. At the end of the day, you have to go out and earn any respect that you get in this world. And even through those sports, through those early years, I saw that early and I'm like, oh shit. I could just still be the best player with their 30 pair of cleats, $30 pair of cleats. It doesn't matter. It doesn't make you better by having a more expensive apparel or accessory. And the fact that you're actually able to connect the dots now and like to your point, this past year, I've worked with some of the biggest brands in the world in the health and wellness space from Nike to Lululemon to Promix to Gymshark to anything in, in between. And 
now I have everything. You come to my place, I have a new shipment every other day. I have every shoe you could think of. And none of that makes me happier as a human. It's just what it is. It's just, all right, now I get to rep or represent some of these brands. But I think for people, if they realize that these materialistic things don't change your level of happiness. If you're not happy inside, then you're already losing. And you need to work on the inside for them to allow other people to feel affected on the outside. I love that response. And even more so going back to the, the 90 versus 55, the, the, the way that things are marketed to us are to condition us to want the, the one thing on the, on the left versus the right, just because of that monetary value rather than like the ethos of what it stands for. And I think it relates back to how we started this whole conversation with working with the smaller brands versus the bigger brands is just like, just because a brand could pay you more doesn't necessarily mean that you feel more wealth in mm. your life or more richness in your life. And I've, I've felt this uh, being in the consulting world where it's just like, I can consult for a lot of money for certain things and have no attachment to who I'm working with or why I'm doing it. But that never feels as good as like working with people that I love to work with every single day. And then I reflect back on that where the, the teams that I enjoyed being on the most, we didn't always win. Like, like the teams that were only focused on the winning and only focused on paying for the most, the, the best coaches and the best cleats, like almost created like a toxicity in us rather than the teams I really enjoyed playing with were the ones that kind of had fun with it, worked hard, and then we got better as time went on. Um, and one of the things that I think when you reflect on your story and then I reflect back on on my life is in those moments where it's like the 90 degree shoe versus the 55 50, 90 degree, $90 <laughs> shoe. I'm, I'm thinking about our sauna outside there. I'm about to do this. Like thinking about it, it was like, we need to get this thing up to 190 right now. Um, <laughs> no, but $90 shoe versus the $50 shoe that typically causes people to limit themselves and to say, Oh, I only deserve the 50. I see this, like I grew up on the East coast and with a lot of friends who, Again, if you look back to the conditioning of our parents, they didn't have as much. So they they had no choice but to put themselves in a certain box. But I live in this limitless world and, and so do you. But I know that that comes from something where we had limits mm. prior to us. So I want to quote something you wrote on your website where the only limits we have are the ones we believe in. What are some beliefs that you used to believe in that you no longer do? Mm that are helping you be a little bit more limitless. I love that. I think the most relatable piece is going to be my mindset around being an athlete and around being a football player. And CJ, a, long, a, a big part of my journey throughout college was just so focused on going to the NFL. That was my North Star. I thought that I was going to make the most impact in this world by being the first full Korean American to play in the NFL to then inspire other Asians, just like how Jeremy Lin inspired me to be like, oh, fudge. Like, Dude, you could be Asian and be on the top stage, right? And for such a long time, I did not become a better student. I wasn't becoming a better human just because I was so locked into just football. And all of my life, that's all I really want is like building everything around being just that. When I, when I stopped playing, my, I went to my senior year and I had a really poor relationship with my coaches and it made me not want to go back for my fifth year. So then I did what every other college kid does is start looking for a job and check the box of, hey, mom, I did it like before I even walked across stage, I had a job and it wasn't the best job, but it was just, I checked the box. And even as I was working at that job, I was putting limits on myself as what I could do as a human. I was just going through the motions, just like most college kids do of not really knowing what their per like passion or what their purpose on this earth is. And even though I excelled at football, even though I earned a college scholarship, I still felt like, oh shit, I'm not really maximizing other aspects of my life. The reason now I'm like so gung-ho about taking on challenges and doing things I'm not good at is because for such a long time, I never did that. I never went skiing or snowboarding because I was scared I was gonna get hurt for football. I never did other sports because all I wanna do is play football. Like my life was so surrounded around this one thing. When that one thing is done, what happens now? And even for me, CJ, it was a year where I was like, oh shit, like I was living through FOMO, through watching through social media of my teammates succeeding that next year when I was working at this corporate job I hated. I'd be at my cubicle, CJ, looking through Instagram, 
watching my friends score touchdowns, looking at the updates. I was literally living life through someone else's lens. And as I continue to do that, I was only hurting myself, anxiety, mental depression, all these things of me just not feeling like I'm worthy. And as I was doing this, I had other friends that were in the entrepreneur space that were like, yo, check this book out. First book I ever read outside of school was Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And it didn't started to just shift my mindset slowly around what is wealth, right? My mom was, my mom's a single mom. My dad has a bodega in New York. Like they're not the most business savvy. So when you want to make a generational change, you need to make a generational mindset shift, Oof. right? And like, that's something that for me, I was like, oh God, I can actually shift this for my net, for my kids. I can shift this for, for the next generation, right? And even though, you know, it's so easy to point the finger at what you didn't get, what you didn't have, but it's so much easier when you just take accountability of, all right, this is what I have. Now let's make the most of it. And that's kind of been my mindset the past couple of years where it's like, all right, even in that job, I was like, all right, I have this job, but what can I do outside of this job to start shifting this framework? Reading, it's that whole mindset of like, what's happening outside the nine to five? My six to 10 CJ, I was just downloading new software. And I just kept doing that every day. I, I spent a little bit less time watching NFL Sunday. I then watch, read a book, listen to a podcast. And slowly but surely, that shift doesn't happen overnight. Everyone asks me like, Matt, what's the secret sauce? Like, what's the one book? There's none of that. It's this compound interest, just like when you're investing. It's over time, that's when the big shift happens. And then you hit that breakthrough. And then everyone's like, dude, you're an overnight success. No one watched my shit the first three years I was making it. And now it's like they only see it from this lens. So I don't know if that answers your question, but football, being the identity and just being lost in that helped me understand that if I dedicate time into anything else, that shit, I could be pretty good. Yeah, and I was looking at your stats. <laughs> it wasn't that great. <laughs> yeah, so I want to dig into that because you had this dream, mm -hmm. but it wasn't even like, I feel like this happens to so many people. You're sucked into this dream that, isn't realistic and mm. it's not realistic as if like Matt couldn't get to the NFL. Like if you, if you really were bought in, in your mind, you probably would have made something happen. But in, when I think back to my story, it was kind of similar. Like I played soccer, played in college and I never, like I was always really good, but I never was the greatest. And the reason that I wasn't the greatest is because I didn't, aspire to be the greatest like I wasn't how I love how you said the six to ten the six to ten was not soccer mm. for me and the kids that were the greatest 24 7 like the sport was 24 fucking seven to them in a different way like they weren't watching other people they were like 24 7 in their backyard like practicing 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 but how did it feel because this is a struggle it's like I know what it felt like to compare yourself to other people who you see them winning accolades and see them doing things and you're like, oh, like I could be as good, but deep down you're kind of feeling lost. Yeah. And I don't think we give enough attention, especially as males, to what that, to the impact that it has on our mental health because you're around, like you're in the locker room and you're around other people that are beasts. Yeah. And like you feel like, I felt always like I can compete. You them, yeah. I could be them, but something was a little bit off. Can you run us through like when you knew it was time to like let go of that? Yeah. Because that's where I think most people struggle. It's like if you've ever read the book Essentialism, they talk about most people fail in life because they're not willing to let go of the things that they're doing. They think that the things that they're doing are what's going to lead them to what the promised land but most of the time, the things that they're doing is just what everybody else is doing. And they deep down want something different, but because of how much they've already invested and all the time they've already invested and how many years Matt Choi invested into becoming a football player, he didn't want to just let go of that yeah. and realize that there's this other world that I could actually be the greatest at. Run us through that pivotal moment, if you can remember. Yeah, I do. And CJ, you know what a big piece of this was? I've always had a positive mindset in this world, right? Like typically, even since a kid. And I think a lot of it had to do with my perspective and, and what my mom did for me and my brother. But it was so funny because college was the first time where I felt like I wasn't so positive. And part of it was the environment. And I, I always say this to people, it's like you become a product of your environment. And our locker room, I came from a high school that went to two back-to-back -back state championships. We always dominated. We won. To your point earlier, we were a team that won a lot, but we had a good culture and a good community supporting us. 
When I went to college, we were a 500 team. Every single week on a Saturday, people were more focused about going out the, the night of, the night while we were losing the game. I was a freshman and we would come into a locker room getting our ass kicked, 30-0. Halftime, people are talking about what bar we're going to at the, night, at the same night. Our whole framework as a team was very, very negative. It was, oh my God, our coach is so old. Why is he still here? It's, it's exactly what I preach, CJ, about not doing, about not controlling the things that you have control over, not focusing on things that you don't have control over, right? We can sit here and complain about the coaches and the AD and all these things, but that's irrelevant to what's happening in between the lines. And I found myself, because of my environment and the upperclassmen, this environment was just a contagious negativity. And it wasn't, at, at, honestly, the reason that the school started to do better when, honestly, a lot of us left was that the, the conversations were different. People had a belief that the coach was the right person. People had a belief that, oh, change is happening and all these things. So to answer your question, part of the reason that I was able to kind of make that disconnect is that my performance started to falter. You know, to your point of my stats in college, they're not impressive at all. It doesn't, that you look at that, it does not translate into, oh, an NFL player or an undrafted uh, free agent or even a drafted player. It's, it's not. And for me, my performance, because I was getting in my own head, was starting to fail. Mm. For example, as a receiver, I was our third option. I didn't get that many looks or reps, right? So when you have an offense, you have your first receiver, then typically a second receiver, and then you run the ball. And then if you're the third option, you might get, you might get three attempts a game. And if you don't maximize those three attempts, you're not going to get the ball again. And for me, if you don't maximize those, if I drop a ball, it's not going to, like, the coach is not going to be confident to go, oh, get mad another shot here. Because they'd rather go to our first option. And I was fighting my own mental battles of, like, shit, I'm not performing. I'm a starter, checking the box of being a starter, but I wasn't really contributing at a high level. In high school, I was one of our top guys. And just like any high school player, you're the top dog. Now you go to college, can you still be a top dog? And that's the same conversation we're having. It's like... A lot of people are the top player in high school, but then they come to college and they realize there's a fucking difference. Some guys got it like that and some just don't. And for me, that realization- Or, or the price is like, do I want to pay the price to like- To, to work. To be the guy that got it like that. And it's 100%. just like, that's a, that's a heavy cost. So I think even for my senior year, CJ, I was like, I lost confidence as a football player. Imagine that. The thing that I had put on a pedestal, the thing that was my identity- I lost confidence in the thing that I put the most fucking time into. I would be at practice, like spitting on my gloves, making sure that they're <laughs> sticky so I fucking don't drop a ball. And I was in my own head. My, even my receivers coach knew that I was in my own head. I was getting so concerned about making sure I, in practice image. that I was the image yeah. of all of it. Like how is Matt a starter? He can't fucking catch a ball. And it's because I was in my own mind of like, fuck, how did I not, I, in the game I dropped two passes and like I'm not gonna get another look now. So... Through that experience, I realized I'm like, shit, like I have no other choice now. Like you almost have to find something else because even in the thing I love the most, I wasn't maximizing my potential. Have you ever heard the saying, uh, I think Hermosi says this, um, I could be wrong, but winners focus on the activities that get you the goal and losers focus on the goal. I don't know if I've heard that. I love Hermosi, but I don't, I, I like that. Because though. like, <laughs> it, it reminds me of you because like right now with like running, right? The, the, with a lot of your content, the process and the system is the goal. Even like today, like your brother's here filming. Like he doesn't have to be doing that. Mm -hmm. Like that's a process and a system. You're not necessarily, you didn't come here and you didn't text me or DM me be like, I have this goal for the day. You're just doing the activities that lead to an external some type of goal that mm -hmm. usually is a serendipitous goal at the end of it that we don't even see. And that's where I want to go into the next part of our conversation because the world feels like it's ending when you're in that valley. But what it opens up is this flood of serendipity because we don't know what's happening next. And there's so much beauty mm. in life in those parts because the people that are willing to, like you said earlier, take a step back and like really sit with yourself, you now have this newfound freedom of, I don't have to be this football player. I can be anyone I fucking want to be. When was the moment that you realized that and that you kind of shifted into entrepreneur, content creator, runner, 
Matt Choi. I think that moment, I'm just like thinking about it. Um, where let's let's run it like this. Where were you prior to Austin? Like what where yeah. what did that look like? I was living in Maryland at the time, um, at my mom's house. So the previously the past year, year almost year and a half, I was living at home. How old were you? I was 25, 26. Awesome. And then before that, I was living in Baltimore. When I had that corporate job, I was living in Baltimore. And I lived there for a year. But then when I quit that job, I moved back home. So I don't even think that that awakening happened. It was when I moved home and then the pandemic hit. And I think what you're speaking on is really this, like, entering the unknown. And it's where we can expand our consciousness because you're in unknown territory. And when I started getting into some of these deeper runs... And even when I just started my running journey, I was reading Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins. And that's a human and that's a book that opened up my mindset around just the human potential, CJ. And more so in the areas that you're not the best in or you're not comfortable at. This whole story, if someone's listened to this, at the, at, to this point, you've heard me talk about me being so lost in my identity and what I knew and what I was good at. Can a human do that in something that they're not good at? And that's been my mission now, whereas I want to do that at scale in every aspect of my life or not every aspect, but in a lot of aspects of my life. So I can continue to feel that feeling of being a student for such a long time. I thought I mastered the game in football and I didn't really apply myself in school and apply myself in other things. And now I just want to continue to be a student. The thought of me now applying myself more at this point in my life than I did the, the, the years where I was actually a student it makes me appreciate it even more. So the unknown and all of those things, I think, you know, what running has kind of shown me that you can take your same time and energy and discipline and sacrifice and you put that into anything you do in this world, you will get better. You might not be Michael Jordan. You might not be LeBron James. You might not be Cooper Cup or whoever that someone might look up to, but you can make a big damn impact being yourself. And I think through it all, I've learned that the fact, CJ, that, you know, I thought my dream was the NFL. I thought I was going to inspire Asian Americans by being the first full Korean American to play in the NFL. And the thought that now I'm able to make more impact in running in something I, I hated in something that I'm not the best at, but I can arguably make a bigger impact in this space as a creator, as a runner, as an entrepreneur. It just gives me so much feel and excitement for the future to come because I don't know what the future holds. Every single day I live in the present moment. Like I'm not I have a hundred shit going on, but I'm so present here with you. Just like, I'm so locked into this conversation. And people ask me like, Jeremy asked me, what's your five-year goal? I said, I don't know. I just want to stay curious. I want to stay adaptable. And as shit comes into my life, I want to make sure that I'm not going to be closed-minded into opportunities. Some of the biggest opportunities that happened for me in 2022, I could not have predicted. There was no goal I wrote down to work with Nike, to work with X, Y, and Z, right? It just fucking happened. And when you're in, when this Nipsey Hustle quote, when opportunity meets preparation. That's been my journey. You're sitting in that quote. <laughs> we were talking about it before this podcast. What I mean by that is for anybody listening, like this podcast studio, I like I had similar dreams. I wanted to be a pro athlete. I've always been good. Like since I was a kid, four sport athlete. It was the one thing that I got attention for and I craved. But this feels like way better than the dream that I had as a kid. And you start realizing the moment you start becoming yourself, like even the small moments throughout the day feel better. Mm. Like it, this is super cool for me to watch like your brother being right here. Cause it's just like, damn, like how do I live in a way, continue to live in a way where like I can spend more time with my own brother mm. and like how that's how I started as I entered my thirties and like became a more, um, I would say experience, entrepreneur, and just life experience. Um, those are the things I started thinking about rather than the end goal of like the dream or the hundred, hundreds of thousands of dollars or the investments or, or whatever. And one of the things that helped me is exactly what you said, becoming a student, learning to become a student again. Because when I played sports, the getting the good grades <laughs> in the beginning, what it started as was I wasn't allowed to play sports unless I got good grades. 100%. So it was like, <laughs> it was like a means to an end. And then you leave and then you get to college and you're just like, oh, well, I don't really need to get, I just need to be good enough. Mm -hmm. I don't have to be great at these. I don't have to be great at the, the grades to play on the field anymore. 
and there's less pressure. And then you get into real life and you start understanding that it was never about the grades in the first place. What does look, what is showing up as a student in life look like to Matt Choi? So you're mentioning books, uh, feel free to have the floor here of like on a daily basis, what is being a student mean to you? What does that look like? Because somebody listening to this, they could say, yeah, like fucking, I should learn. I should be learning mm. every day. Yeah. But yeah, like where, who, how, like, what does it look like? For me, it's a mixture of things. You know, yeah, books and podcasts is a great format. Most people go there first, right? But I think you need to open your like mindset around just what that even means. Like, what does being a student mean? It's just being open-minded. It's questioning everything, your own thoughts, and then questioning even people's thoughts. I love when Naval says that. He's like, hey, what I'm saying, I'm not saying it's right or wrong. Someone listening to me right now, they could disagree with me. I'm, and it's irrelevant. I'm not in this world to make sure that everyone thinks like I do. I don't really care. Um, but I think what it looks like for me daily is setting routines and practices and principles around my day where I can squeeze in five to 10 minutes of learning around my entire day. First thing I do in the morning is I do meditation. I do the red light therapy. I love how you have red light over there. And I read the daily stoic and I do my five minute journal. And even in those moments, I'm being a student. I'm learning how to be a better writer. I'm learning how to read. I'm learning how to, you know, instill something very small. People say they don't have time, but people just don't make time for the things that they that actually can make an impact for them. And for me, I learned that by stacking small habits over time, it's easier for me to compound and easier for me to stay consistent with it. And it helps that when I post that video, post a picture of the Daily Stoic, people then get to see exactly what I read for that day. Some people read that book entirely through just my story. They don't ever buy the book, but they just read it because they know I'm going to post it every single day. So for me, that's being a student. Hopping on conversations like this or interactions when I meet people at the gym or wherever it is in life, I think as soon as you realize that you can always be a student, that, that you can always learn something from anyone. The biggest thing I learned from my corporate job was how to treat the CEO with the same level of respect as the janitor, as the lowest level employee. And that's something I stick true to me all the fucking time. People think that you should only learn from the top entrepreneur or someone super cool or someone super successful. Can you learn from someone that's homeless? Can you learn from someone that's the low um, bottom of the totem pole, right? And that's for me where being a student comes from. It's every aspect of our life. Like if you think you know it all, then you're screwed. Someone's going to surpass you. And then for me, it's always like, how can I sharpen? You don't know how or what lesson you can get from someone or something, but you need to put yourself in an open mindset and be curious enough to, to go seek those things. The moment that you think you know it all, I just think it's, it's, it's where you start to stay stagnant. Facts. I love that. I don't know if that answers your question, if you want me to give like no, a specific no, you, book or... No, you, you, like, because if you give a specific book, usually like when I'm on podcasts, if we flip this around, I'll be like, yeah, I like this book, but that doesn't mean that it's for you. Facts. So you kind of gave like more of a high level of the everyday small habits add up to what it looks like to be a student. And you said something that I hit home with, and I, I have to give credit to my parents for raising my brother and I like this, where uh, we just, I've always had this knack of just showing up in a humble way when we meet people. And no matter who it is, it's how do we help that person or in that specific moment, how do we engage with that person as if, that was my family member or if, if that was somebody that I'm close with and there's no ranking. And I think society does the exact opposite. It teaches us to have that rank. And when you said you can learn from the CEO, just like you can learn from the janitor, it reminds me of like the interns that I've had in my life and like people that are supposed to be quote unquote below me or they're working for me. I've learned more by managing projects and people than I ever have in the flip side, mm. like me being the only person working on something or me being um, egotistical in my way of doing things. Because when you're an athlete, like growing up, I don't know if this relates to you, but it was like my way or the highway a lot of times. I was like, there was friction when I like spoke to coaches and spoke to other people versus now in my life, it's the exact opposite. I'm way greater than I am now than I was then. And I'm like, I suck. I need to like, I... My, but my buddy that I actually played soccer with growing up, like he's my PT and, and writes my programming. And then when I go to like the high rocks and stuff like that, I'm like, I've podium one time, um, twice actually. Um, but 
again, that's not the goal. It's to like learn from the people that have been doing that, the Eric Hinmans that have been doing this for 10 years and how do I do it sustainably? Mm. Because that's my real mission is like, how do I do this forever? Yeah. I don't need to kill myself to be on the podium and then I can't do it again. Um, so I love how you're talking about being more of a student in the everyday life and the small habits that you're showing up to. Where does that transition into your life now though? Because I know that you definitely have some things in mind that you're working towards and it's not the NFL anymore, but what are you working towards in terms of being a student for? Mm, I love that. Um, you know, I think about the two passions I have and at least the two things I've really been working on recently has been content creating and kind of this running journey and the crossroads of both of those. It's some of the most passionate times that you get from me is like when I'm in conversation with people that want to like start their thing. And what I'm focusing on now in terms of being a student and still giving value to people is this space of like helping people build personal brand and making a business around that. Like last year I made a lot, I did business mostly through brand deals. I didn't do really much consulting. I, all the things I did were typically with brands. The people I ever did consulting with, it was always just kind of like, I'm just giving game. And I don't really feel like, because I got a lot of it for free from guys like Gary and the people I looked up to, I didn't feel the need to make a business out of the consulting or my knowledge or my experience. But now I see it where if I wanted to stop working with brands, how can I still make a business for myself, right? Because at the end of the day, even when you work with brands, even in my position, it's awesome. Yeah, I get free stuff. Yeah, I get it's all that It's not freedom shit. though. Exactly, CJ. And I've realized that even when that stuff happened with the bid meal, I realized that, damn, I'm, I'm a victim to my environment right now because if they cut me, then how am I gonna put food on the table, right? So for me, it was then making that shift right now as we speak, what I'm currently working on right now is helping other creators, helping people that are in this space build their brand and do what I've been able to do and maybe give them that accelerator program where, hey, this is what I learned in three and a half years. Let me try to help you get to that point, not to that exact point, because I don't think that everyone has the same level of talent and creativity and, and motivation to do the same things, but you can give someone a blueprint and they can run with it. So for me, that's kind of where, as I'm being a student with all these things, it's then helping that next person try to see if they can follow the same principles or follow the same attributes required to kind of succeed in this space. Um, but I think in the business side, that's kind of what is falling into place and that's kind of where my mind goes to first. But what's, what's the number one principle you've learned through your content creation to stick through to get to where you were at right now that that you believe in. So let's let's dial it back. Yeah. When was your first when would you first consider yourself a content creator? Wow. What did it look like? For um, me, it was when I was posting beers on Instagram in like <laughs> 20 <laughs> like 2012, 2011. You know, it's funny. <laughs> I could make an argument that I was a content creator when I was playing football because I, all I did was post those videos and post those pictures cuz that's my identity. If you saw if you scroll down my Instagram enough, you'll see only football pictures. But I think when it really came into play was, you know, in the in the East Coast, Maryland, like just East Coast in general, pandemic was a little bit stricter. So once I got laid off as a trainer, that moment, I was just going triple down on content. And I think in that moment, when I started doing these challenges, I didn't even realize what I was doing at the time. But what, what was the challenges? I, the first one I did to start my running journey was 30 Murphs in 30 days. I did a Murph every day for, for a month. And that was just me documenting every day. I was like, all right, I'm going to go for my mile. Where'd you get that idea? Uh, YouTube. I saw another creator do it. And <laughs> I, I just wanted to see if I could you're, do it. You're running through this in the exact way I was hoping that you'd run through yeah. it. It was just like, it, you didn't come up with this elaborate plan. It was literally just like, come up with something, do it. Yeah, easy. And I'm, my, where my mind goes is the same thing for you, right? It's like, when you're just that forward thinker, it's just, all right, well, one door closes, what's the next door? And it's what happened for me at the Houston thing. That's why I ran in someone else's name because I forgot to sign up. So I'm like, oh, I can get someone else's bib and run? Awesome. But back to this story. Yeah, 30, 30 Murphs in 30 days. And I just documented it on TikTok and on, on Instagram. And no, it didn't really get much traction. The next 30 days, I did 2,000 jump ropes every day for 30 days. 60,000 jumps at the end of the month. And I, once again, I saw a different YouTuber did that. I'm like, all right, let's see if I could do it. I want to just see what that does for my body. Fast forward to now, and I, I'm a big fan of Alex Hermosi. And I love this thing that he says. It's like, this is your content strategy. Do shit. Talk about the shit you do, do more shit. <laughs> CJ, I didn't realize that I was doing that exact model, but I was just 
shooting, throwing shit at the wall. I was just like, all right, Murph, the four by four by 48 Goggins challenge. Oh, let me go try to attempt a marathon with that, with no nutrition, no hydration. Oh, let me go run 50 miles, hundred mile race. Just talk about what you do. Everyone on social, the reason they have so much imposter syndrome is that they're trying to preach their message. They're trying to be the top dog. They're trying to be liver king. When in reality, all you need to do is just share how it's impacting your life, your story. And along that process, people will fall into place. But the moment you think that your message is top dog, how to lose weight in 10 days, how to grow on social media versus how I grew on social media, what I eat in a day, and it's all subjective. No one in this world can tell you how to live your life. No one, could tell, no one in this world can tell you how to be you, period. That's fucking work though, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I got to actually go out and live? No way. I could just sit in my house and just tell people what to do and point my finger. That's way easier. It's way easier. It's way easier, <laughs> CJ. But let me just set life. the camera up and the mic up and just like make it look pretty and just be like, yeah. I could just let make me it look chat, like Rogan's, you let know? Let me just chat GBT. Like, what are the top 10 tips uh, for people to be a content creator when the reality is the best content is the one that we're living in? Facts. Like every single day, just like you said. Um, and that's where like, I love how you just said that because Thrive on Life, this exists because when... I would say in the world that I was in when Thrive started, uh, it was, the content was different. There was, I don't even think, there, there was no TikTok. There was no reels. Mm -hmm. There was no, when I started Thrive on Life, there wasn't even DMs yet or stories. Um, it was literally like you would post what you're doing in your life, a picture, yep. and then you would write about something going on in your life. Um, and I hit home with your stories so much because that's, to me, so much more fun. Like you're doing shit every day and then all you're doing is, I would say, if you're looking at it as a business, as a brand, when we go to the store, we typically buy something in a package, like the food, mm -hmm. right? But there was a process to making that food. Like literally, it didn't just show up there. Things happened before that. And in my world, I look at content in the same way. Like when I put that piece of content on social media, you're seeing like the Oreos in the package. You're not seeing everything that kind of went into it. But what you've unlocked is now you're showing how the Oreos even got to the store, mm. which is one, if we're talking about being a student, you're actually giving value and teaching people how the Oreo became the Oreo. I don't know why I'm using Oreos. I don't even eat Oreos. I know you don't eat I'm Oreos. I'm like, you eat clean as like, shit. I, <laughs> I, I eat, like, I like ice cream and shit, but like, I don't know where the Oreos came from. Um, but I was just thinking, I, I, I think actually, he, this is how the human mind works. I went to the gas station before we got here, before mm. you got here to get ice. Okay. Um, so when you walk into the gas station, you just see a bunch of blues, reds, orange, whatever, trying to, to attract you. Uh, so that's how I think the Oreos <laughs> came about. But yeah, let's just stick with it. When you get to there, the, the end packaged good um, is the dopamine that people are getting. Um, but what you've kind of flipped on the on the on its head, and what the best creators in the world are doing is flipping how content is created. Um, it's focusing more on what you're actually going to do, and then telling the story throughout that, and inspiring other people to potentially do it themselves. And I'd love to know through that process of doing that. What have been some of the most serendipitous, cool stories that have happened because of your content? And we were talking about real estate prior to this, and I was telling you how I was, I, I didn't even tell you this part, like my buddy, Dr. Matt Delgado, Lifespring Chiropractic, he met me because he saw me on social media. Mm. Then he's like, I have a book that I think could help you. Can we meet at Whole Foods? We met at Whole Foods. Uh, Whole Foods on Lamar, the first Whole Foods yeah. ever, used to be like the, the spot to meet at, like really? in Austin in like 2017, like okay. 2018. That was where all entrepreneurs were like meeting, like this <laughs> was the Foods. spot. Like, yeah, there's no collective squatch. Yeah, None yeah, of that yeah. shit existed. It was like Whole Foods. Uh, so we met there and he's like, I have this book for you. And then we built a relationship where I was like, hey, he can help me with some of my health stuff. And like, I can help you with some of your content and your business stuff. He then connects me with like three or four other people that have had a massive impact mm -hmm. on my life and verse, vice versa. That was like, and one of those people led to me sitting in this house right now because it was my realtor, Ian. Shout out to Ian Grossman. He's been on here before and mm. he crushes it on YouTube. Fair. Uh, he left the world of teaching to create content and, and help more people through real estate. Um, 
And that serendipitous moment of meeting him in Cherry Cherrywood Coffee House led to all these other things that if I didn't meet Ian, I don't know if that would happen. If I didn't meet Matt, I don't know if I'd met Ian. For you, what is that? Is there any stories that ring a yeah. bell? The one I could think of, and if we're on this real estate topic, is how I met my my buddy Amir and my real estate agent through TikTok. I, when I moved out here, I started making content, geographing Austin, Texas, saying, yo, I just moved to Austin. Boom. What run club should I go to? What gym? Where, where should I live? I'm apartment hunting. X, Y, and Z. My buddy, Amir Lancaster, he's a pretty successful real estate agent in Austin, Texas. And he's also a really good athlete. He's just a good fucking human. But his mother followed me on TikTok. <laughs> she commented on one of my posts, CJ, said, you need to meet up with my son, Amir. That is awesome. <laughs> I then followed Amir and I just, his, his content started popping on my For You page and he does this thing of like, um, what's called making it in real estate, a series, day 85, day 86, day 80, he just, and he vlogs his journey, story tells it, it's awesome shit. Shout out to Amir. And I get his number at finally and I'm like, yo, what are you doing this? Like, what are you doing today? And, and I just, I try to bring him out to a run and he was just kind of flaking on me. He's like, oh, I'm busy. I'm on a, I'm on a call, whatever. I'm like, all right, cool. And then there was one day I was going to Raw. It was like, at, and Raw meets at like six o'clock. And I text him at like 5.15. I'm like, yo, what are you doing tonight? And he's like, nothing, bro, I'm free. I'm like, pull up to Mean Eyed Cat at 6 p.m. I said, we're going to go on a run. And he's like, I just told him I'm not doing shit. So then he was like, fuck, okay. He then pulled up <laughs> and he came to the run and Angela Gargano was there as well. And that was the first time I, me and Ange really just chilled too. And us three actually got a picture together that day. And we ran the hills on the Rolling Woods on the uh, west side of, uh, like near Tarrytown. And it's funny because he actually uh, shot me a message yesterday. He's like, yo, you don't mind if my uh, talent agency uses this picture of you, me, and Angela? I'm like, not at all, bro. But fast forward, and I say that story to give you guys context, but Amir's an agent. And I told him, I'm like, bro, my brother's going to move to Austin. He has a VA loan. He's former military. He wants, and we want to get a house. Or at first, I wanted a duplex. But duplex multifamily here in Austin, it's just tougher to find. Yeah. There's just, it's, it's either up north or up down south. And I'm like, I don't want either of that. So... We're about to close on a house in the next week or so. Amir was our agent. And the fact of that moment through TikTok, through his mom following me to then get me connected with him, for him to then come on a run and then for us to just become friends and become, you know, friends, but then also just like business, being able to work on a business level um, and just like me helping him with some content, him helping with real estate, X, Y, and Z. It's the same kind of story of just like, damn, the stars just aligning and for me, when those moments happen, I'm just like, I feel like I'm operating at the frequency I want to be at for this stuff to just happen. And that's where I'm at right now in life where it's like, I don't force many things. I allow the things to happen. I knew for us too, even though you and I met one of the first days I was here in Austin, I'm like, I know I'm going to like CJ, even though I didn't get to meet, chat with you and connect with you a lot in the past year, which is fucking insane. I knew that when our time was right and when the moment was going to hit that it's going to just be so fucking natural. And that's why I think that this pod is just going so fucking great right now, just because it's just natural. Right? It's not like I've been on other pods where I've known people longer and I felt like, oh shit, like, eh. it's a little staler, you know? So that's that serendipity of just being in this space and living in Austin. What an awesome story. And the, the, the cool thing is like you're, you're lit, like we're talking about doing shit in life, but a home, like where you spend a lot of your time, where you sleep every night, is so important to everybody, right? And we're talking how social media helped you get there. And I think the, the path you went down and kind of like how I, I drove it down that path was on purpose because when I think content creation, I think back to why I got involved in the first place and even being here. And I appreciate you uh, loving this conversation so far. Dude, I'm so fi fired fired up. I'm, I literally already, we were talking about this earlier, like when you're on the podcast and you're like trying, you're staying zoned in, but in in the host role, you're just like, oh my God, like what's the next question and what's this other thing? But in my mind, I was just like, damn, we got to have a part two to this. Like literally thought that like five, five minutes ago um, because there's just so much more I want to go into. Um, but I also want to uh, run, lift. Yeah. So I want to do all the good stuff here today. But with content, it was always this motivation of meeting other people and like-minded people. And then how do I help the world and seeing people like yourself doing, having that same mentality. And I loved how you talked there at the end of your last uh, statement of you just let things happen. You, you have that patience. And if you're an entrepreneur uh, or you're working on things on the side, like that's the best piece of advice I have you and on social media as well, because like you have nothing and then you have everything. 
like all at the same moment. Like you could literally on your 99th piece of something blow up or it could go viral or on your 1000th. Mm. Um, but if that's the goal, like you're missing the whole point of the entire thing is to meet other people that are making an impact and how do you help each other? Um, and that's where like, same thing, man, I met you. I, I've been, I've been watching your stuff. Um, and I'm a big believer in that serendipity and just like letting things happen that creates more authenticity and more, um, more goodness in the world because nobody likes the person that's just trying to get something from somebody. And I, I never want to be that person and I want everything to be authentic and, and mission driven. And I try to live and breathe through that. Um, but selfishly, I also knew that this studio, uh, would would be ripe right around now <laughs> to have uh, people like yourself um, out here and like I can live my live through my nice. dream and you talk about like documenting like this is my life and I'm just like holy shit how did I get here well the reality is I got here because one I took I, I did go to corporate path just like you did I did go down a path that um, it granted me certain things so I don't ever regret going down that path but I also reflect on I was willing to take a risk and and jump ship, but then also when I did take that risk, um, it was with the intent. You mentioned the word intent earlier. It was with the intent uh, to socialize and and find people. Um, my buddy Paul Millard, uh, awesome human being. Mm. Um, he wrote the book right there, uh, Pathless Path. Mm. Um, he has this saying like "Find the others," and he created this circle group called Find the Others. And I recently stumbled on it. I was like, shit. That's exactly like what I've been trying to do with Thrive like for, for six years now is just find the others who, who get it. And I'm long-winded here because I just wanted to say thank you so much for this conversation uh, and how we got to this point and, and for what you're doing. And I'm, I'm really energized uh, to keep telling my story and to keep going about content in the way that you're describing it because it does lead to the serendipitous moments like this. Um, but... We are hit at minute 59 here and I want to be, I'm always a stickler for time to make sure that we have time for all the other fun stuff. Um, so I always typically wrap up in a similar way. Um, you mentioned kind of like how you're helping, might, might be shifting your energy into helping other people with their content and stuff like that. Is there any programs or any courses or anything that you, you're working on or anything specific? Because my goal here at Thrive is always to connect people to what you're building. Um, yeah. Hopefully you get your next friend, client, customer, whatever that is. What does that look like right now for Matt Choi? Yeah, I mean, I've recently just launched like a, a, a challenge around social where it's 15 reels in 15 days. But someone that might listen to this, it might be later down the road that it, that might not even be a, a, a live. Um, but I'm making a course around it. And I don't really want it to be a course because I think at the end of the day, the people that have been doing it the best already created the free resources, right? It's more about what's stopping someone from actually uploading the video. And I think mm -hmm. that's kind of my message more, CJ, where it's like, Gary, Hormozy, they already have so much free shit and their free shit's better than a lot of people's paid stuff. So at the end of the day, if you're a creator, listen to this, don't, like you don't need to buy much. It's actually all out there for free. Google it, find the people that are in your space that are doing the best. But if you want to work with me where it's like, oh, like, I want to actually get like inside of your head or like put some of this stuff into practice, um, you could just reach out to me on socials and then just kind of build the connection from there. But I don't, right now, I don't have anything to sell. There's nothing, there's no product, there's no course. I think down the line I could develop something, but really what I want to do is be in more of that like consulting space where it's like a creator that's actually trying to take it seriously, that doesn't want the quick fix, that doesn't want the 30 day, how do I get my first brand deal? I'd rather work with people like that that are actually willing to put the work in and actually build something meaningful versus just like, oh, I want that quick turnaround and this, I'm not gonna, there's no course I have that's gonna be like a 90 day, hey, this is what you're gonna get. So, a lot of the stuff I preach is just, hey, Google. It's all on there for free. If you want to work with me one-on-one -on -one or something in the consulting space, just reach out to me on Instagram. I love that. Where do they, What's your Instagram so that they can reach out to you? Matt Choi underscore six. I also have a YouTube channel, just Matt Choi. And then you guys can get me on TikTok too, Matt Choi six. Hell yeah. I highly recommend reaching out to Matt, even if it's just to feel that good energy that you bring into every single room. I really appreciate that. Last question we always ask everybody is if you were to define the word thriving, what does it mean to you? I'm, I love how when you, when you asked me in the beginning, I was like, let me think about that. <laughs> I try to prime people. Like You do. You do. And I appreciate that. You know, I think what thriving means is operating at your highest frequency understanding that your potential is limitless and that you can do anything in this world that you want to. 
And the only person stopping you from doing it is yourself. Because when you realize that, you then start to enter this path of being a student. Being a lifelong learner. When you realize that it's limitless and that all you have to do is find the resources just like Matt is talking about, then you really start to feel what I felt, which is like momentum and motivation to reach the next level every single day. And just being inspired, like internally inspired. And I think that stems from just like you said in the very beginning of this podcast, you're talking about my mindset, your mindset. And it's such a big thing here. And I think that's my biggest takeaway from this is I do so many of these mm. episodes. Um, and the difference between people I chat with is the mindset they have walking into every room. And it has little to do with what they know and how much they know and literally just their presence of, I can tell when you when you walk into your room, your mindset is like, I'm here to get better, like, uh, do more, achieve more, and become the best person that I'm trying to be. And I'm just going to authentically show up in that space and be like that. And that all stems from the mindset work. And people can't, you can't fucking fake that. Mm. Like, that's the thing. So I feel it and I know what that's like. So if you're listening to this and you listen to this episode, the number one thing that I can give you advice on is just like what Matt was talking about, find those advisors to help you switch your mindset into that limitless capacity where you now aren't putting yourself down in your own mind because man it's a fucking negative place if you yeah. allow it to be and nobody else can enter it so i can't enter matt's brain here he can't enter mine and if you have a negative if your home is negative your true home which is your mind you aren't going to hit your goals yep. you aren't going to fulfill your mission you aren't going to get what you want out of life so super inspired by this conversation very much looking forward to future conversations and seeing everything that you do. If there's anything myself or the Thrive community can do for you, please let us know. Best thing y'all can do for us if you listen to this is please share this episode with anyone that you think could benefit from hearing Matt's story and give us that five-star rating and review. I will chat with y'all soon. This is CJ Finley with the Thrive On Life podcast. Thrive on y'all. What's up, y'all? This is CJ again. And on behalf of the small team here at Thrive on Life, I'd like to thank you for listening to one of our episodes. Our mission in life is to help people like you fuel your passion and make every heartbeat count. And we realize the best way to do this is together as a team. So we'd love for you to join in on this mission and connect with like-minded individuals within our Thrive on Life community. To do so, please head to thriveonlife.com and connect with us there. We'd love to chat with you. Before I sign off, I'd like you to always remember one thing. When we strive together, we thrive together. So please do your part in helping others thrive on life.